0: Welcome to episode number 10 of the podcast, What is Culture? My name is Rocco Longarello, and I got another good one for you. This week, I learned from Tango's Chris Brown, director of product development who works out of our Indianapolis office and who leads a team of more than 30 individuals. And let me tell you, I was thoroughly impressed by him. He's just the type of professional who makes you say to yourself, Man, I wish this guy was my boss. Anyway, it is my honor to share his story and his perspective with all of you. Many great leaders believe that leadership is about giving your employees a crystal clear objective, supplying them with the tools they need to succeed, and then getting out of their way. I'm laughing to myself now because in many ways, that's how I approach this interview you're about to hear. I asked questions, and I let Chris speak. The objective of the podcast was clear, and the questions were all the tools that he needed. Make sure to pay special attention to how Chris answers the question, what do you feel your role is in helping drive the right company culture? It's pretty incredible. Here is my conversation with the articulate Chris Brown. Let's all learn from him.
1: I'm Chris Brown. I'm director of product engineering at Moby, uh, formerly Moby, uh, now uh, the Go Mobile division of Tango. Uh, I've been with the organization for just over six years now. Um, yeah, and uh, basically manage a team of about 35 uh, that includes software engineers of various pedigree as well as quality assurance software testers. And then a group of what we call currently solution engineers, which handle product support. Uh, basically, you level one. Um, they handle configurations as well as triage uh, before it moves to the engineering group. So, yeah, um, probably anticipate growing the team uh, headcount probably over the, the coming year for uh, somewhere about five uh, additional folks. So I'm um, excited to see our continued growth. Um, and we have an absolutely Uh, Terrific team. I can't say that enough. Uh, Definitely have the best team in my time at the organization. And I believe they have the strongest cohesion and positive work environment that I've seen in the time I've been here.
0: What kind of characteristics would you say engineers, software engineers should have in order to be successful?
1: Uh, I would definitely say... uh, Logic was certainly a a big piece of it. You have to be able to, uh, someone that likes solving problems, I think uh, you have to be able to communicate well and uh, desire to explore and to probe and kind of um, break down problems. So like one of the things we look at is like our best engineers often are ones that will kind of look under the hood, even though they may be fixing something specific or they may be adding some specific functionality, their curiosity uh, encourages them to kind of understand more about how the product works or how the, how the system operates um, and what the nuances are.
0: Totally. So like an investigative eye almost, always looking to solve problems beyond what's uh, might be visible only up front, right? Absolutely. Okay. So there's 35 people that you Manage? Are they all within Indianapolis, where you are sit, uh, situated? Uh, all but
1: one. Um, all but one. one okay. Of, yeah. One of them is a full-time remote, and he works out of Michigan. Um, uh, but the the rest of them are all 100% uh, full-time employees in, in Indianapolis.
0: Okay. So you've been with the, the organization six years. Did you? What was your initial role? It was it? Um, to, I would guess it's a software developer or something like that. Is that how you began? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I started, uh, with, uh, Moby in, uh, January of 2013 as a software developer and, uh, continued to, uh, did that for a short while before I became an engineering team lead and then went on to software development manager, then to director of product engineering.
0: What are the challenges with uh, managing a team that size? Uh,
1: A lot of personalities. A lot of different operations going on simultaneously. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, uh, with different personalities, there's different values at times. Uh, So we have to be able to figure out what works for each individual and how we how we interact with them, I think.
0: Would you say that you were kind of a natural leader? Is that something that you've always kind of um, that seemed to be a characteristic that you always had, or was it something that you kind of had to develop professionally?
1: Um, I think it definitely emerged somewhat naturally, but I I feel like like with many things, you can have talent, but to be great, you have to uh, compound that with skill and experience and expertise. So, yeah, I've always kind of been drawn to leadership roles naturally, um, but, uh, yeah, I've definitely... I've learned a lot um, over the years of my career. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so let's get to the question that I love asking the most, and that is, what does culture mean to you?
1: Um, In terms of culture, particularly in the workplace, I would define it as, it's basically that, in my mind, it's the persona of the organization. Um, It's the characteristics, the values, principles, ethics, and expectations that that define the work climate, but also um, how employees work and they interact and uh, respond to change. Um, So I think all those things kind of holistically come into um, creating an environment where hopefully it's optimized to uh, be productive and make impact, Mm -hmm. uh, but also have respect and opportunity and dignity for individuals.
0: Sure, that's I like how you said person the persona of an organization. Yeah. Um. So, how would you describe the culture specifically in the Indianapolis location?
1: Uh Oh, the culture in Indianapolis, um, uh, location is very different than particularly other organizations I've worked in. I've worked in large enterprises down to small consultancies. I'd say it is has been and continues to be a very open casual environment It is one I feel like has been very good with being transparent where possible Mm -hmm. um, more so than other organizations. I think one of the things that really stood out to me when I joined uh, Moby um, a little over six years ago is that we were about probably 75 employees then. And, um, you know, my, my, my manager at the time on my first week walked me up and introduced me to Scott Craigie who was our CEO of Moby introduced me to him and it was from there you know Scott was like if you ever have any um, you know concerns or thoughts or ideas you know feel free to come uh, reach out to my assistant get time on my schedule I will make time for you Uh, and then you know of course like a few days later he remembered my name. You know, he said things like that. And I think those were, that, that was really impactful to me to see that even sure. at the executive level uh, the engagement that they were um, uh, having with individual employees. And that's something I think is very important for me to carry over with uh, individuals, at, both in my unit and outside, but being able to be, you know, know more about them and what's important to them, particularly What's important to them today, because what's important to them a couple of years from now may change, um, because that helps me understand how we can best align work or opportunities or understand what challenges they may be facing um, uh, so that we can create an optimum, uh, you know, an environment where they can ideally excel and perform, perform well for us.
0: So how do you feel your role is? you know, leading 35 individuals, what's, what's kind of your role, I guess, in helping drive quote, the right company culture?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, I think for a big part of that is, I mean, I'd say leadership, but that's kind of a generic term. Um, but you know, you can't, uh, a a leader can't enforce or, or instruct what a culture dictate, yeah. Dictate what a, what a culture should be or w- will be because it it it's going to become its own amalgamation from from uh the individuals that are that are there uh and then it evolves you know as people come and join uh come and go from an organization uh i would say for my role particularly under leadership i would say is to communicate regularly um with individuals both again within my unit and outside i need to understand um you know it's, it's knowing their names and what things are important to them. You know, I have people on the team that have, uh, you know, kids or spouse or pets, and I have others that have other interests, Uh, maybe building robots. It may be hiking, other things, but not understanding a little bit about them. Like, what are their motivations in uh, just in life in general? But also understanding them from a professional standpoint, like uh, understanding, like, their aspirations are to get to this place or they want to learn more about this. Uh, right. It is something that does take time to do, but I think it's tremendously valuable. It's an investment. Uh, and I, I've actually talked to a lot of other leaders and I think some, some of them struggle with that sometimes because they're just so focused on getting the current project or task or operation uh, you know, underway or completed sometimes forgetting about the players that may be
0: involved and yeah, like the human element.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, I always want to try to keep that in context because, uh, that I feel like develops tremendous rapport with individuals. Uh, I, I feel like personally, I feel very confident that most people on my team feel very comfortable approaching me, uh, with any, with most things that, that they may be, uh, encountering, um, if they want to share a success or if they want to uh, maybe broach an idea, sometimes if they want a challenge approach or an idea that may come from me or uh, my uh, engineering managers, or if they're having a problem and they, you know, I feel like they, I feel pretty confident that they feel comfortable doing so and knowing that uh, I'm here to hear them, to understand, do what we can, that's appropriate um, and, and to, uh, help us collectively move forward. Um, I think beyond kind of expanding on that, I would say. In terms of communication it's also important to be transparent whenever possible. The vast majority of the individuals in my unit are are younger, and I think that makes a tremendous difference in their perceptions of the organization and its leadership, feeling that they are. uh, It's an environment of inclusivity uh, that we're not necessarily. Uh, You know, evil corporate America. uh, You know um, that a lot of times, like it's interesting to me, and I think I've been challenged by this myself because I'm, you know, I've I've been managing for 20 years, and you know, sometimes I have a younger individual ask me, why don't we share this, or can we know more about this? And I think why why haven't we shared that? So you know, um, because a lot of times. uh, that's information that's useful to them, and there's really no reason not to to provide that. Mm. And I, I think it solidifies their commitment and engagement with the organization. Uh, on that, I would also say uh, being transparent, um, but also set expectations. Uh, I want to ensure that individuals understand what their role is, what their responsibilities are, and what are our code of conduct is in how we interoperate amongst ourselves as well as with our peers and colleagues uh, across the organization. And with both of those, you have to provide clarity, I think. Um, So you can be transparent and you can set expectations, but if you're not being clear about what those are, uh, that's a struggle for individuals and often a a source of frustration. Um, If you tell some, you know, if I tell an engineer that I want them to be a better engineer. That doesn't. That's pretty ambiguous and doesn't give them a lot of guidance on <laughs> how they can further themselves. But if I say I want to see your speed of delivery increase, I'd like to see your, you know, cycle time on your uh, features reduce. I'd like to see a better quality of your code reviews, like those things. Um, and it, that doesn't just come from me. That comes from the engineering team leads um, who uh, are tremendous um, uh, individuals in themselves and how they help foster and cultivate individuals on the team. I'd say also in terms of uh, driving, I guess you said the right culture, is to empower our talent um, to do their best um, and trust in their abilities. Uh, I had a a former um, director that I worked for for many years, and he said, uh, he would admit that he's not the most technical person. And he said, my job is to find the right people uh, with the right skills and give them the right tools to do the job and then get, get out of their way. Get
0: out of their way, yeah, exactly. No.
1: <laughs> I think that's, you know, it's it seems like a very easy statement, but it, it certainly comes up a lot. And, you know, that's the last thing I want to do is be uh, an inhibitor to someone's ability to deliver. Uh, but at the same time, I think that's part of my... Primary focus is to recruit and retain great talent that have the skills to fulfill those obligations of their jobs, um, and 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 to that they they fit uh, with the rest of the team um, and can work uh, in a respectful and positive environment. And then I think probably lastly, and, and this is a big piece to me, is recognizing great work openly and acknowledge. The contributions of the individual to the team um, or to the unit or to the organization um, and then to actively work to promote those individuals uh, so that they can continue particularly if they're on a continued trajectory of progression of growth and responsibility Um, kind of my um, philosophy with the team building is I always want to look for opportunities to advance individuals that we have on the team that have demonstrated uh, excellent performance and success and, you know, are ready for the next level of responsibilities and then focus our recruitment efforts at the the bottom tier um, so that we can start getting in new individuals and kind of introducing them to our approaches, processes, team culture, uh, et cetera, and help cultivate them so that they continue to move uh, in, in an upward direction as well.
0: Okay. Wow. That's awesome. I, I, it's, it's so great to hear all these things. And it really sounds like y- you, know, you take it very um, seriously, very personally, in that you really are all about giving your team the tools to succeed. And you know that statement about just give them what they need and then get out of their way. I think a lot of that is by being transparent, by setting clear expectations. And then if you hire somebody that you know you're confident has the talent, to succeed, then, you know, all, as a leader, you know, just give them the tools. But yeah, cl- you you know, it sounds cliche, but you 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 get out of their way, I think it's definitely a, a great theory. Um, so moving on to the next question for you. So you and your team were recently recognized by one of our clients, um, Code Climate, for your performance, um, and as well as for your team's culture. So I was wondering if you could tell us more about your relationship with code climate quickly and how culture played a part in that.
1: Sure. Uh, so cl- point of clarification, code climate is a vendor. Uh, we actually, they're um, widely adopted across um, software industry, particularly in the Ruby rail side, but they're definitely have um, expanded into other tech stacks um, and they provide a solution that helps us uh, measure uh, engineering performance um, in terms of individual engineer contributor, uh, which can be very difficult to do because uh, the problems we face uh, uh, day-to-day are are different and unique um, and so to be able to have a gauge of like are we on the right path on um, individual performance and to the optimizing our processes and things like that. Uh, so we use two tools from them. Uh, they have one that's called quality that helps ensure that Um, our code deliverables are meet our style uh, guide because we have 30 some people all contributing to the same code base we have to be consistent Uh, but it also looks for problematic areas of the code that could present issues further down whether that be a security issue or scalability or other things and then the other product that we use is called velocity and that helps us track like um what's the cycle time once we put code um up uh, for review like does it uh does it get reviewed quickly does it get merged and deployed into our production environment in a timely manner is there bottlenecks how many re- you know did it have too many reviewers on it it'll collect a, a variety of metrics mm-hmm. so code climate um uh we've been working with them for about a year now and they actually uh, wanted to come out to do a site visit about a month ago and just to meet um, with myself and some of the engineering team leads uh, just to, to you know put uh, faces to names and talk more about what was working well for us with the product and what's not. And in that course of that conversation, we talked a lot about how we use the tool, but also kind of how it you know, was also a factor in some of our culture. And they they actually started probing more about culture in that conversation, which was interesting. Um, so at the end of the conversation, they had indicated that they wanted to spotlight us in a video testimonial for their product because we um, had had some of the most significant improvement in our engineering metrics since we had adopted the product a year ago. But also we were standing out as one of the top ranking in terms of engineering teams across the industry. Uh, But the other thing that they said really set us apart was they wanted to learn more about our culture because they thought that was specifically very unique um, compared to other organizations they were saying, um, because we talk about having a culture of support and uh, to kind of shed some light on that, one of the things that I kind of uh, have given a lot of um, thought and guidance to over the years is that, We should always be in a position where we are supporting each other. We wanna kind of ensure that people understand we're all human, people make mistakes, and that there is an expectation at some point we will probably falter. And I want individuals in the unit to focus on the recovery, not the failure. Um, And equally, there's an expectation that when those circumstances do arise that Others on the team should be reaching out to help support, mentor, guide, inspire as necessary rather than piling on because um, we've certainly um, seen that in my early years at the organization as well as at other organizations and they were just, uh, co Climate was just like kind of uh, just over the top of that. They were just like, that's just something we do not hear about, about other engineering teams and so sometimes... It's really divisive, you know. It's like someone introduces a bug, and people are just like on top of that person, and they're like, just it just. And I was like, yeah, you know, for us, we we've gone through those times, but uh, we are well past that. And I think it's something that's uh, it's not something I need to really speak about a lot. It just kind of happens organically now, so that when those circumstances arise, it the end the team rallies around the individual, and I think that helps that individual learn from that experience because you always learn more from your, your failures than you do from your successes. And I think it, that it's also a place where they can feel vulnerable without feeling like they're being judged um, because of the circumstance that instead uh, the others on the team kind of have their back and understand that could just equally be them at some point in time and that they're looking to help them move forward. And it's, it's just water under the bridge at that point.
0: That's amazing. It, it really sounds like you're fostering a really wonderful environment, and I, it probably like you said, it happens organically. But it's it's just impressive to hear hear these stories from you. It really it's really great.
1: Yeah, like I said, we have a fantastic team. Yeah, certainly not me.
0: No, uh, I know you're really humble. I totally it's that's so awesome that I I totally respect that that you want to give credit to your team, but I think you should also. I'm going to give credit to you to just being that type of leader that you are is really what is pushing your team forward, I think. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I did want to ask this question. I think it'd be interesting to hear your take on how do you feel Tango has handled the acquisition of Mobi? Um, So what what could you say has gone smoothly and what maybe not so smoothly?
1: mm Well, so I guess I would say first, I would preface it with like, I've been through several acquisitions throughout my career. Um, This is my first at at Moby Tango. um, But I've been through quite a few of them. Um, And I have to say, like, this one is very different than the others that I've been through. Um, uh, I I think this is my fifth now that I've been in uh, an acquisition. And this is uh, and only one of those circumstances was I on the acquiring side. The other times I was being acquired or my organization was. Um, and in those cases, it typically was you've been acquired here. Here's the new company. Here's our new uh, company name, you know, and <laughs> new yep, logo. Yeah. Yep. And here's our processes and you'll do it our way. Um, and a lot of times with that also came you know the the evaluation of redundancy and a lot of times you have like consolidation of of job functions and personnel and so there's certainly apprehension and and concern that comes along with that and i would say this one has been very different because there has been such a kind of broad open statement about wanting to adopt many of the the practices and processes and um Uh, the culture that we have established at Moby over the years um, into the greater Tango environment. Um, I think they've been, you know, Bob and others have been pretty candid about, um, you know, uh, Tango's uh, struggles in, in, in past years um, and wanting to focus on the recovery. And I think, again, what I was saying earlier should be the same circumstance for the organization as it is with individuals. Let's focus on the recovery and, you know, our collective benefit and advancement, um, I think in terms of, um, it, it's interesting cause I, I haven't been, I've only been to the Shelton office and I I think it was great because I went out there with a couple of um, people from my team and I think it was, in, it was enlightening to them too, because they didn't really know what to expect, nor did I. And I think, you know, um, going out there, uh, everybody was super welcoming and just really, uh, cordial and collegial. I felt like in the meetings that we had, like, you know, our, our voices were, were heard and, um, you know, we were, uh, had an opportunity to, to participate, uh, and help in the direction of, of the items that we we're, uh, of discussion. It was nice just to meet individuals and, and see, you know, Real people, I think, other than just like, you know, uh, emails or or, um, you know, just uh, icons on, on teams and things like that. So uh, got around, kind of you know, got a little tour of the space. It was, you know, really good experience there. You know, they were they were really happy about they had just recently gotten a kegerator and um, some ping pong tables. So they were really appreciative of that. Um, uh, I certainly think those are great for for culture. But, you know, obviously culture go, transcends well beyond those. Um, I think probably if I think if challenges, I think we have um, we're still in kind of the early stages of the acquisition. So you know, there's always going to be differences in how um, the two organizations operate. You're you're taking two very established organizations with uh, different processes and cultures, um, and trying to like get them to align. So there's certainly going to be times where. It's going to be easy to say, yeah, this is a thing we do, but there's going to be times where it's like, we have conflict here. Like, let's let's try to like be unbiased and, and reasonable about like what's the best approach and how can we uh, ensure the best outcomes, both for the company, the product and our people. I think we do have still, so, you know, we beyond just having two companies coming together, we also have seems like Quite a few new folks um, in the organization, particularly at, at um, the senior level of the organization, and I think they're also trying to learn how to work together and and build uh, relationships and rapport, and you know, obviously, lead and uh, manage their respective operations of of the organization. So I think if if I said like sometimes the challenge right now is like I would say maybe sometimes it's like making sure that we have a unified vision and approach to. Um, where we want to go, not just with the organization, but products and things like that and processes. And really it's it's a case of an you know of being open minded and even if it's something that bucks traditional convention or the way we've always done it. Uh, and that goes for both both organizations to be able to just like take yourself a step back and say, alright, well let's hear how this approach is different. What are the merits of it? What are the nuances? What are, what are the cons of it? And where can we find common ground and like, what are the the remaining items that, that are up for debate and figure out what's best um, overall. Um, So I think, uh, I think probably the timing too is a little bit challenging because we were acquired, I think early December Uh, there's a lot going on with, with Tango already at that point, um, uh, kind of on the path to um, reestablishing itself as a new organization. And, you know, we have things like Tango Live that are in uh, just May. So um, to try to, like, get all these things, you know, merged together and aligned as well as, like, products and having a cohesive message and um, vision for where we're going in the next couple of years, there's certainly time elements that are that are uh, uh, a challenge.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well said. So I'm going to give you one last opportunity if there's anything else that you'd like to say about culture before we we sign off here, uh, now's your chance. Hmm.
1: I mean, I guess I think your your early early question was, what do I think culture is? Or
0: it is how, yeah, what is it? Yeah,
1: I think at the end of the day, culture is people, and you know, we we, it's easy in the hustle and bustle of the day to day to get uh, tied up with this or that, you know, um, challenges uh, projects, uh, demands, uh, escalations, whatever it may be, and not to easily become distracted from the fact that we have a lot of people involved. And I think that's very important for me to keep that in context. Uh, as I said earlier, like all these things that I've mentioned that we do either through community engagement or, you know, education for the team or uh, our processes. like That is not a thing that I do. I have to do that collectively. And I have to create the environment where individuals feel vulnerable to fail, where individuals feel comfortable to reach out and express ideas and sometimes challenge my ideas or approaches. And I have to be receptive to that. Um, um, And I think good leaders will seize that opportunity. So... Uh, and leaders also don't exist by title. And that's something we definitely reinforce with people on our team. If you look at our job descriptions, it says at all levels, acts as a leader. And I, I truly believe that like it doesn't matter if you're a manager or if you're an associate developer or quality assurance tester, you can be a leader in your space. And those are the people that we want to keep and retain and cultivate and grow and advance um, over their careers at Tango.
0: After listening to Chris answer in such detail, you must be thinking that my questions were supplied to him days in advance, that he studied them, took notes about what he would say, thought about his answers well before we recorded. The truth is, all of this was new to Chris. We'd never met previously, and this was his first time ever on a podcast. None of the questions were given to him in advance. However, he delivered his words as if he had prepared a lecture on workplace culture, discussing what it means to truly lead, and how he helps keep his team of 30-plus engineers engaged. I was amazed how it all came so naturally to him, and how he was so humble in his responses. Many times, all I could add or interject would simply be an unnecessary interruption, so for the most part, I listened, and I was content that I was able to supply Chris with another, perhaps more far-reaching channel for which to be heard. Also, I'm not surprised that our vendor, and not our client, sorry I misspoke in the interview, that Code Climate was so impressed by Chris and his team and their collective culture. The entire interview was my absolute pleasure. And I thank you very much, Chris, for your contribution to the show. And thank you all for listening. If you would like to be a guest, please send me an email at rocco.lungarello at tango.com. And remember, this podcast is available for download on your favorite app for both Apple and Android devices. So be sure to check them out and subscribe. And to read more about this podcast, visit our companion blog series at tango.com slash blog until next time.